This episode is a sponsored partnership by Keen. So, you finally decided that you want to seek psychic advice. But now you're just sitting there and you're asking yourself, why Keen? Shouldn't I just look into psychics near me? It would probably be a lot easier. Our response? Why would you? Keen connects you with talented tarot readers and astrologers. If you want to get a reading on Keen, it's super easy to start. They've been giving trustworthy readings since 1999, over 35 million to be exact. All you have to do is create an account, and you'll be able to choose from hundreds of readers who are online right now. These readers each have unique specialties designed to provide a deeper understanding of your situation. Want to learn more about your love life? What's your financial future look like? Are you looking for a closure from a deceased loved one? Keen has a reader ready to provide clarity and insight. You can choose whichever reader best suits your needs, and you'll be able to connect via phone call or text. Just go to trykeen.com potential. As a new customer on Keen, you can try your first 10 minutes for only $1.99, which is up to $99 in savings. Once again, that's trykeen.com potential. Get your first 10 minutes for $1.99. And remember, know your potential. Hey, Potential Podcast listeners, let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in discreet packaging. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. These results are reviewed by a clinician, and a member of the Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. And Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So, if you want to avoid an uncomfortable office visit or prefer the convenience and get tested at home, visit trylgc.com potential and get 25% off your test using code POTENTIAL25. Once again, that's 25% off your test by going to trylgc.com potential using the promo code POTENTIAL25. Take charge of your physical health and well-being and let's get checked. Talking all things entertainment, pop culture, and nerdum. This is the Potential Podcast. Well, hello and welcome back to the Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Dewar, and I'm joined by my wizarding friend, Taylor Sokol. Today, as you can tell, we're a little giddy. We're a little giddy, a little excited. It must be all that butterbeer. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm full. I'm full, and it's, it's all those bubbles are hitting up. But today, we are going to talk about something that we actually teased with our Season 2 cover art way back when we started in Season 2. Obviously, we got Terminator in pretty early on. But as uh, fans will know, I was dressed as Harry Potter, 
And today marks an important day. It is the 20th anniversary since the release of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, or for those of our Brits, the Philosopher's Stone. We don't like philosophy in America. But uh, we can't talk about these films alone, can we, Taylor? No, no we, can't. we can't. We have a special guest with us today, a friend of mine that I met on the road. He's an actor, an entertainer, he's a salesman, he's a tour guide, and he might be the biggest Harry Potter fan I know. I actually lived for a time in his apartment, which is actually titled Hogwarts in Harlem. The entire apartment is decorated. It's like its own mini Wizarding World set up in New York. So welcome to the Potential Podcast, Nick Pearson. How you doing? Hello. I'm doing well, bud. How are you? Doing great. So good to have you here. It's yes. so good to be here. It's so ni- nice meeting Chris's friends too. And I, I mean, like there's like the three of us. So like, yeah, yeah you, exactly. You probably so maxed them out. I think I've now. already run through the whole um, Rolodex. Yeah. yeah, the Rolodex is pretty short. We still use uh, those kids. I wonder why. Uh, we'll tell you that in another podcast. <laughs> but thanks for coming here. We uh, we know that you are uh, as maybe a super fan as as we are. And as Chris said, yeah, we are focusing on the 20th anniversary of the first film and then all the films. Of course, we cannot have the movies without the books, but we don't have enough time to talk about that. So, of course, our focus is going to be on the films. But again, if you're a fan of the films, you're a fan of the Harry Potter universe itself. And we thought no better to have you here. So we're happy to have you here. And those who can't see, he is decked out uh, with his Gryffindor T-shirt. And he's got this epic hat with the lightning bolt scar and glasses. And uh, I want that already. Well, you'll have to you'll have to ask Chris where he got it because he actually got this for me for my birthday back when we were on tour. Oh wow! See, that was that was 2017, and so I was turning 33. Uh, my Jesus year, <laughs> and I just turned 33 two months oh, ago. Oh God! My Jesus! How life changes! How life changes! How we age! But uh, oh, yeah, gosh, yes. me and Nick, uh, we spent many months together as roommates on the Wizard of Oz tour. And have been friends ever since. And uh, um, I knew from early on that he was a big Potter fan. And it was like, no brainer. Who are we going to have on as a guest today, of course, is Nick. Uh, nearly headless Nick. Uh, no, he has his head on, folks. Don't worry. He's fine. But um, it, yeah. It'll come off any minute, though. Don't worry. Any second, though. But to think, man, okay, yes, the books have definitely been their own phenomenon. But to think that the films, I think, really were the, the big push to make this such a huge franchise, as with a lot of book-to-movie adaptations. You look at Lord of the Rings, there was probably plenty of fans of Lord of the Rings before the movies came out, and then a whole new generation were introduced to that, and then eventually the Hobbit movies came on. A lot of, when that happens, Narnia, but Harry Potter definitely became a huge, like, mass worldwide event of, oh my gosh, we can't wait for the next movie to come out. Especially just the fact that, you know, you're gonna have the same cast of kids through the entire series, which is even for some, even for some movie adaptation uh, series can be a rarity. You know, sometimes they age out and stuff, but it was appropriate that we're going to get, we're going to follow them. And for us being kind of the age we were when the movie started, it was like, we were growing up with them. We were growing up and watching them go through all this stuff. And even if you knew it was going to happen because you'd read the book, there was something really exciting about going to see the next film, see back in the day when it used to be midnight premieres, you know, Oh and God, yes. Messing up. Yeah, remember them? Remember those days? Midnight premieres? Well, I just think even just just seeing, and this is through any kind of book to screen, 
adaptation is just seeing your imagination come to life, seeing that interpretation of these characters. Because, again, what we looked at and thought of, and then you're like, oh my gosh, that was amazingly cast, or that was perfect. I didn't think about that. Or because when you read it, you can't always totally imagine, but we see it. Okay, that makes sense. Or I really like what they did with that. What was the? What was your? I mean, Nick, for you, how many of the, you know the books themselves? I'm sure you had got into, but. What was your memories of the first time seeing that first film in theaters? So when I saw the first movie, we, let's see, it actually came out the same weekend that I was in a production of Arsenic and Old Lace in high school. And so we had uh, like our high school matinee was Friday morning and we did like, um, I think we did like our, our senior citizen matinee on Wednesday nights. And then we did, uh, sometimes we would do like a junior high matinee thursday morning then have a thursday night show and then the high school matinee on friday morning they were like okay these guys have been you know going to class doing the show rehearsing all this stuff for weeks they'll get they gave us the rest of the day off so we actually went to see harry potter and the sorcerer's stone like that afternoon like we all went out to we went out to lunch and then we went to see the movie and it was really cool just like sitting in there with everyone that was in the show with me that everyone else had read the books too and they were totally stoked for it it was just like this this experience that we were all like waiting for. And so like the, the lights go down, we watch the previews and everyone's amped up about all that crap. And then the movie starts and you hear this bum, 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 bum. And all of a sudden we're all like, what is this? <laughs> what is this magic? And then now like you can't hear bum, 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 like just the first three notes. It's almost like one of those things on like name that tune where anyone from our generation is going to be able to immediately name it. It's become so iconic. And just like, I think it, it was like having a spell cast on you that like, this is, this is the, th this is going to be your thing. And that's, that's legitimately how I felt that like, this was going to be such a part of my life. And like, I had, I, I actually had convinced my uh, high school honors English teacher that Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone was sci-fi. And so I got to read it for a sci-fi book report. And honestly, I didn't even finish the book in time for the book report, but I like did the thing. And then I finished it the next summer and then reread it in a day. Wow. I was like, this is so cool. It like, it, <laughs> it just took over my life so quickly after that. I have to say, yeah, the fact that we, we talked about this on a episode about music composers, but the fact that John Williams has composed so many iconic themes and then still almost outdid himself again with Harry Potter, even though he wouldn't go on to, he wouldn't be the composer for every single movie. The fact that, of course, that theme has stayed true for all of them. Yeah. Set the standard, really. I mean, just that just oh, yeah. music becomes a character in itself. And it's like, this is just embodies uh, every character in it, but it just becomes the spirit of the movie. I'm like, that's something even crazier, not to just from book to page of the characters themselves, but to create this theme that perfectly fits. I mean, we talk about like, you know, Jaws, Jurassic Park, but you know, Harry Potter, I mean, it just embodied it so well. I was like, wow, this is, this is incredible. I will say if you listen to some of the music in Home Alone and then listen to Harry Potter, there is some very, you know, similar moments in that. But again, there's such, they, they are different enough that you're like, man, John Williams can do, he can do no wrong. I mean, it's quite brilliant, but Chris Columbus directed, uh, who also directed Home Alone. Oh. Oh, oh, there you go. And Home Alone 2. He directed the first two films. And I do have to say that I think as the films would progress and we'd get a lot more 
into CGI territory. There was something really I did enjoy about the first two films that really felt like they tried to do as much practical effects as possible and like animatronics and like puppetry, especially when it came to creatures. You know, Harry Potter has its uh, huge collection of uh, fantastic beasts, as you will. And there was something really, I think like three on, we start to get a little more in these darker tones and get a, a little more of, okay, now we're having directors come in that are doing a little bit of filmmaking, you know, doing a little bit of their own take. I, I really would have been curious to see what all seven films, if they would have done seven films, had Columbus directed all of the books as opposed to just the first two. I think it's nice that they kind of switch up directors and they kind of had different takes to tell different chunks of the story. But I always wonder what it had been like had it been Columbus directing all of them as opposed to just the first two. Because there's something a little more, a little more childlike fantasy wonder in those first two movies than the rest. I think it encapsulates that the spirit of Harry Potter himself. Because, you know, first two movies, he's not really doing much. He's got Hermione Ron doing all the work. And he's just like, oh, I'm a wizard. You know, just half the movie, just like looking around like, oh, this is great. So it really had that childlike wonderment, like you're about to enter a world of, you know, new something you never thought existed, uh, except in books. So I think, I think Chris Columbus, you talk about Home Alone, he really encapsulates that kind of wonderment, but also draws a line of that adult to, to child uh, transition. Absolutely. I mean, like when it comes to, when it comes to, when I think about Chris Columbus, like, yeah, you have Home Alone, you have Harry Potter, you also have the Rent movie that he directed. And there's something about, uh, which of course was not that great. Um, but I think when it comes to Chris Columbus, like just looking at other things that he's done, I'm like one of his IMDb right now. So yeah, he's known for, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he becomes a producer after the a director uh, for the Harry Potter series, but then you know, he also did some of the Gremlins movies. Uh, like he did, he did the Percy Jackson movies. Um, uh, Bicentennial Man, Stepmom, Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. freaking Doubtfire. Like oh, this man dear. basically directed my childhood. And like, for me, I think having him as the director for the first two movies was so, was so perfect because like they didn't, they didn't start messing with things right off the bat. I think they, they played the series very well to make sure that like you set the world up properly. And I think everyone kind of agreed that when it came to the production design, what we saw on screen was so what everyone was imagining. But I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the books were written in a way that like the description wasn't J.R.R. Tolkien. Like we weren't describing the moss that was growing on the rock at the bottom of the stream as they were crossing it that had been crossed several times before. But like everything within the castle was depicted in a way that magically we all knew what to what to visualize. And then when you walked into the Great Hall, you're just like, oh, my God, this is exactly what I thought. And so I think like that was it was great to have Chris Columbus tied to something that was like setting up the childhood part of the Harry Potter series. No, very true. I mean, even from like the I feel like a lot of the setup pre even getting to Hogwarts is exactly how I visualized in the book especially with the Dursleys and looking at all the owls and how many letters keep coming. And then the amount of letters that go through the fireplace and that whole, that that whole sequence was so, so was well so and, and practical, you know, like most of that's practical. You get that wonderment of, okay, there's something driving. And then you get to, all right, now he's meeting Hagrid and that, that whole sequence on the little Island there and him, you know, bending the shotgun and all that stuff. And then getting Diagon Alley 
a lot of that just felt like it you're like this is it this is they visualize exactly what i think i think what they kind of started to realize is as the films progress and the books get darker and they become more of these teenagers that are trying to now defend against voldemort yeah i said it <laughs> it's like with I a T, that, of course. With a T. I think they were trying to think like we have to get a little darker because now the kids that started with these movies are expecting more of like the the angst, the action, you know, there's obviously the awkward romance, there's all that kind of stuff. And they were like, the world building's still here, but we have to give them a little more edge because they're expecting it now. I think in a way, like I, I do wonder what like Voldemort would have been. Uh <laughs> yeah, you heard me. Um, I wondered like how he would have been designed if it was Columbus in the beginning, you know, like, like, cause I do think like, you know, thinking of um, if, you know, we just watched the movie Malignant uh, a few, uh, like two months ago. And obviously in the first uh, book slash film, there's all the plot line of Voldemort being on the back of the head. And, you know, the CGI then wasn't, you know, always the best uh, with some of those kind of moments, but I just wonder if it would have been still creepy, dark. I mean, obviously, Ray Fiennes is, like, incredible in that role, the way they designed him. Maybe not exactly how I wanted every moment of, of how he was designed, but enough to be like, dude, the guy looks great. And it's, like, a, it was a huge menacing villain for, you know, movie history. You know, a lot of people will look and go, it's the Darth Vader of our current time because of these the series. And how that progressed through the films as well. I was just thinking, like, who would win in a fight, Voldemort or Darth Vader? You know, we could, we could, we could like blow some geek minds, right? Oh here yeah, I mean, asking that I mean, like Vader would choke him before he could even get out of that. Yeah, that's true. And he would, <laughs> he, and he could, yeah, he could force pull his wand away. Well, then again, Vader doesn't have Horcruxes, so you know, let's let's just say. <laughs> oh, do not do not tell Darth Vader about Horcruxes. Oh my God, or Horcrux guy. I don't oh. know if that's how it would be. Cruxy, I'm know. guessing. I'm really, I'm really Horror like croissants. fascinated by pluralisms right now. I'm not gonna... Whore, whore croissants. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now I'm getting hungry. <laughs> yeah, right. I want carbs. Give me all the carbs. Well, let's um, let's go. You know, since we're talking about it, and it's gonna be hard to talk about all of them because there's way too many to bring up. But one thing that I definitely think this this movie series did very well, which is was a huge like important thing to get right was the casting there was a, a superb job done when it comes to casting all the characters from even bit parts that don't do a lot in the series uh all the way through and you know there's there's they really wanted this idea of uk actors they wanted to not have uh american voices in this which i think really played a part because so much of the story takes place in the uk and obviously fictional areas of the uk but i mean i think right away having your your three leads dana radcliffe rupert grant and her uh emma watson i mean like to think of them now these you know big name stars have done a ton but they just really had some huge huge things on their shoulders to be like all right yeah you've been cast as harry potter Okay. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. I'm 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 who? Yeah. I'm a what? <laughs> you're a wizard, Harry, and you're a hairy wizard. <laughs> mm? 
But I mean, man, the casting, like from even, you know, you look at like the professors to the villains to the creatures. I mean, like everything in this movie. I mean, huge names, some that are no longer with us. I don't think there was a bad casting choice looking back at these films and having watched these films at least more than uh, more than twice. Uh, I, I completely stand by that. But yeah, even the bit parts. But I mean, in the heroes, the heroes are only good as his villain. You talk about Ray Fiennes, but yeah. Well, Helena. Well, like, I don't even like Helena Bottom Carter as an actress, but like, she is Bellatrix Lestrange. That's all there is to it. Yeah. But like, that's like, like she's she's that one. Like, that's what she does. That is like her jam, and like, she kills it, and she kills Sirius Black. Bitch. Yeah, she does. Spoilers. <laughs> well, I would say even when they had to recast some actors um, as well, um, and you think of, like we're right off the bat thinking about Dumbledore, Richard Harris. Mm-hmm. That's the big Dumbledore. one. And that's the only one that, you know, what a great actor. And I look back at things like Gladiator and like, you know, he he had a huge career, but that was a tough one to fill. And actually, do remember there was a story, I believe, of once Richard Harris passed, um, Ian McKellen was approached at one point to replace. And he was like, I I, I don't want to do it. I can't do that. Um, But actually, I do think that, you know, some people I know they bring up the freaking uh gobble to fire scene and you have to remember that's how it was directed i don't think you know act- actors only do what directors tell them so yeah blame it blame it on the the director but knowing that dumbledore was going to have to fight in the later books especially in five and six i think they actually needed someone a little more spry tough a little more spry so i think michael gambin was a, a smart choice because he is a fantastic actor and he had his own interpretation of Dumbledore but also he actually had those moments of like oh he actually looks pretty cool when he can fight I think Richard Harris as sweet as he was and he did have that like very you know the 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 protector of the fatherly kind of you know view that Dumbledore does to Harry I don't know if I could have seen him be like all right Voldemort let's go <laughs> like he, he, almost yeah. was a little, he was like he really did have that ancient wizard look I don't right. know if he would have had the fighting style down at that point he would have he would have got, he would have gotten a little walker out all right let's go <laughs> meet me outside bitch <laughs> you know like it would have been it would have been a very different thing alan rickman as severus oh, snape uh rest in peace rest in peace an incredible actor that i mean he's been in so many movies that we love but do you think really I, what i love about him as snape is even if you know what's going to happen with snape he really did keep you in that zone of, all right, is he a good guy or is he a bad guy? But also, he's not in a ton of every movie. There's some movies that uh-huh. he's definitely showcased a lot. And then there's some where I'm like, he's in the movie for maybe like five minutes. But the fact that these really big name actors, especially for, you know, people that have done movies and plays and stuff for years, the fact that they kept coming back, you know, it easily could have been the case where they'd done one or two films and been like, all right, you know, I'm tapping out. No, they all came back for every single film that's that's an impressive just to show that how much they loved that world and how much you know they got that people really love these movies that they wanted to keep making you know look at maggie smith continued shooting the movies while she was like working through like she was battling cancer like that woman that woman is a warrior she's a warrior wizardress and she's so badass witch there we go i knew there was a word for it (laughs) i'd get there eventually wizardress I always eventually get there. Yeah, like between, yeah, you got like the, like those two in general, so iconic. Emma Thompson, 
unbelievably iconic for the for the few scenes that she had like everything she did was so perfect if you ever go back and like watch the cut scenes there is a scene that is left on one of the dvds or something where like the director just kind of like let the camera pan over to her at the dining room on the, the the great table in the great hall and she's like sitting there eating through her meal and she like realizes her her napkin has fallen or something and she ends up like putting her fingers in her water glass to clean them and then like going back to it it's the most brilliant thing and she doesn't drop be like she's got like this big coke bottle glass oh on, yeah and she's listening to dumbledore talk or whatever and she's just like <laughs> puts her fingers right in there like you can't see this folks but doing. he's yeah. this is my mean my mean we'll have to yeah, watch that we, uh scene we'll go ahead and put a little like disclaimer in here and be like nick is doing this at this point in time yeah, yeah. he's looking <laughs> off screen while seemingly seeming to dip his fingers into a glass of imaginary water <laughs> yeah you got like david thelis you got uh gary oldman as as serious uh and you know another one where it's like the villain side that people you know it's like one of those uh love the actress because you hate the character so much melda stalton uh boris umbridge is just one of those villains that you know you're like gosh i hate her but she did the part so well that you're like you know i can't help but pay respect for that but yeah, the casting. I mean, Warwick Davis, uh, legendary Warwick Davis, you know, uh, is fantastic. Flitwick, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Willow got into Harry Potter. I think, yeah, which is great because we are getting a, a new Willow series coming up, uh, funny enough. That's but right. the casting was done so well, and they they really nailed, like, okay, we have to have this older generation that are the uh, seasoned vets because we're having this giant group of young kids who for most of them, this is like their first big thing. Or I mean, Daniel Radcliffe had done a few British like TV things. I think he did a David Copperfield or something like that, but this was like his first, like, okay, now you're going to be, you know, in the limelight worldwide. And for a lot of kids that you saw, most of them stayed on, you know, through a lot of the films, sometimes a few minor roles were changed here and there, but um, you know, they, they, they had that great combo of like, all right, we have the young, fresh, new, and then we have these seasoned vets that are really going to play these characters to the point where you're getting the whole world building of, okay, there's the good side, the bad side, Hogwarts obviously being a school. And I think that's something too that was really exciting was the books definitely, you know, show this a lot. But I think as kids who are going through school and we're doing with like, all right, you have math, history, English, you know, science, et cetera. Watching these are like, no, their classes are potions. And then they have like, you know, the broomstick, you know, and they learn to fly. And that whole sequence is hilarious. And getting to meet Neville Longbottom and all his, you know, hilarious antics. I mean, that combo. And then you have Malfoy. I mean, it's just like, they really did well with like painting all the pictures of like, this is, this is Harry Potter. And obviously the film did very, very well for that. So even as the, even as the films went on getting darker and, and such, I thought that, you know, the humor was very well done. It felt like it, it fit the books really well and it, it matched J.K. Rowling's, you know, vision for that. So even just from the first film, just some of these little little antics and things, and but some of these lines, like the dialogue was, again, really, I mean, you have like, for the attention to detail, I thought was just so great, but it did really, I think, capture that um, sense of atmosphere for um, all those scenes. I have a question. Yes. Give an answer favorite piece of casting in the harry potter series there's a big one each 
you you can have a top three. Top three. Well, I'll I'll have to say Robbie Coltrane is Hagrid. That definitely was was great. Uh, I know we always mention these, but um, uh, Jason Isaacs as Lucius, and uh, I probably have to, even though we only get uh, just a little bit of him, but he just has such that presence of was would be um, have to be Gilderoy Lockhart. Yeah, the brown, he's yeah, so, kind of, funny. so over the top and just that was just just so perfect. good <laughs> he was perfect in that role oh that's tough that's tough um, right well i would say uh because yeah i definitely agree helena bomb carter is just is bellatrix so strange like that right there um uh alan rickman as snape and then I'm going to go, yeah, uh, I'm sticking with kind of more of the villainous characters, but uh, Ray Fiennes as Voldemort you are a is. Villain, that's why. <laughs> well, I love the villains, you know? I love the villains. And I do think, my, like, with Voldemort, it's like, I think when I look at the book, and I loved how in the books they had that artist that would do a little bit of the art before each chapter. And I distinctly remember that, you know, the way they describe him with the whole, like, red eyes and the very snake-like face. They kind of did this thing where in in fourth movie when that whole sequence, by the way, at the graveyard is is what makes that movie. Um, that whole sequence is amazing. He kind of has red eyes for like all of about a second. And then it kind of goes to more of this like blue. That's my only like real beef. And also the fact that they describe in the book a lot that he always wears his hood and he never wears his hood in the movies like ever. That was yeah. when he finds a contract. I'm, I will not wear the hood. <laughs> really? No, I don't know. I just made no. That he's joking. He's joking. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, stop. We're gonna get emailed by his agent. Can you imagine? Excuse me. Don't put that um, glasses. You're gonna have to have a CGI face, and you're gonna have these long nails, and it's gonna be long, <laughs> intensive shoots. And you're gonna have just this black robe on. It might be cold. I need my head shown at all times. Okay, <laughs> we can we can accommodate. That's fine. Um, I don't wear hoods. All right, good sir. You you. That's your choice. Sure. Your cast. <laughs> um, yeah, those are my three. What about you, Nick? I mean, I, I'm kind of pretty much in line with you there, Chris, with Alan, Helena, but then I'm going to throw Imelda in there because I hate Dolores Umbridge so much. Like, I remember reading Order of the Phoenix for the first time, and I literally threw the book across the room because I was so mad at her. Same here. And I thought oh. she just perfectly, ah, oh, just like the way that she is the epitome of that adult that will not listen to anyone and so stubborn. And and also, and now here's another thing we can go off of. We're talking about, we talk about set design a little bit. Just going to go right off of her, her, the costume design of her, her, all the wardrobe design and everything. Like that was just perfect. Cause that the contrast where she is just this, she's lovely bright pinks and everything. You even talk about uh, Trelawney and all that, just the costuming, just wow. Just oh, yeah. very, very well done and attention to detail. I mean, it's, it's so hard to say top three because like, I feel like every, so many different characters were so perfectly cast. I mean, like there's only one character that I'm like, this was a bad choice. Who? I'm curious. Ginny. Ginny. Hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't ever a big fan of Ginny Weasley. I just think the chemistry was, the chemistry was a little off of them as they, they got older. I think when she was younger, yes. And that, that is a tough thing we talked about with, with childhood uh, stars is like, once you kind of age out of like, like, eh, it's like, and puberty hit. Nope. Not feeling anymore. No offense. <laughs> it wasn't. I just, it was not, I never really felt like she fit 
the the Weasley mold as well as the other ones did because the twins were perfect. Rupert was perfect. You know, like you can't you can't get around that. Of course, then when you have like Domino Gleason coming in as Bill, we never meet Charlie. I was really looking forward to meeting Charlie because I always thought Charlie would be the hot one. That's all right. Uh, but <laughs> the like, hot ginger with the, the scar or two, ginger. you know. Come on. Yes, yes. <laughs> but I just felt like Ginny kind of was there, and there were a couple moments later on in the later movies where like she had, she like had a few lines like, "Ah, you're strong, like Ginny Weasley." Like when you go back and read the books now, I'm like, Ginny's a badass. She doesn't take shit from no one, and she's a very strong, strong witch. I mean, that's not that they, yeah. they they highlighted a good amount, but. The joke that, of course, Ron love him as much as he uh, isn't that talented, though, when it comes to uh, his wizarding skills and his sister vests him all the time. But, yeah, I guess I can agree with that. She seems a little just flat, you yeah. know, and some of that stuff. But that's maybe, I mean, it kind of probably came down to hard casting and thinking, are oh, we got to find, I mean, of course, they could have used any actress and put a wig on, but they probably were like, we're distinctly looking for redheads that uh, fit the mold and all that and another one to bring up just because again fantastic casting of uh weasley's parents are uh fantastic <laughs> as well molly weasley um, molly weasley well, get away from him you bitch. one of the best characters ever. um no yeah. my daughter you bitch <laughs> her I remember cheering moment. so loudly in the theater when i saw that so i didn't i didn't see deathly hollows part two till two months after it was released oh oh wow I was doing summer stock. He was acting, folks. Sometimes I was. I was. Yep. We tried to go see it, but it, like there was never, there was never a chance. Well, you know what? You know what, guys? Let's go grab a butter beer. I'm gonna get a chocolate frog. Okay, you suit yourself. What, what are you gonna have, Nick? Uh, I got some pumpkin juice. I'm gonna spike it with 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 some bourbon, though. So sounds good. Uh, we'll be right back, folks. Bloody hell! That last lesson nearly killed me. And Snape didn't even notice. Well, Ron, I told you not to add that Newt's tail. You'll get it next time, Ron. Hey, look, Harry's got a howler. A what? Harry Potter! How dare you go back to school! After I specifically asked you not to, did I not mention a plot? A plot to make most terrible things happen. Was that not enough? And your friends didn't even write to you. So this must be Slobby, the elf that kept her letters from Harry. It's Dobby. Dobby. Yeah, how dare you yell at Harry, you little thief. Well, I... Uh, uh, you're right. Dobby must punish himself. I've been bad. Ouch! Yes! Wow, I've never seen a howler beat itself up before. Harry, what was he talking about? A most terrible plot? Space Jam 2, I'm guessing. Sounds about right. Well, enough about him. Come on, don't want to be late for charms. The Harry Potter franchise phenomenon has taken the world by storm since J.K. Rowling published her first book. We've got the books, we've got the movies, we've got the theme parks and video games. And yet, Potterheads want more. As luck would have it, we've got just the show for you. Introducing the wizarding show about nothing, Potter. You're gonna be the first wizarding pirate. But I don't want to be a wizard pirate. You'll enjoy such amazing episodes like Harry Potter, 
in the Overdue Library book. I remember your name when I saw you in the Daily Prophet. I looked into it. Sure enough, it was checked out. You think because you're a celebrity, the law doesn't apply to you? You're above the law? Certainly not. Let me tell you something, wizard boy. You see that stamp? The ones that says Diagon Alley Public Library? It may not mean much to you, but it means a lot to me. A fan favorite, Harry Potter and the Hogsmeade. Ah! Oh, I'm sorry. I thought this was the ladies' room. <laughs> oh, I'm really sorry. I was in the pond! I was in the pond! And Harry Potter and the Every Flavored Mint. Why did you force that mint on me, Neville? I didn't want the mint! Well, I didn't believe you. How could you not believe? Who's gonna turn down a birdie bot's every flavor mint? It's chocolate, it's peppermint, it's delicious. Uh, that's true. It's very refreshing. Chuck at all nine seasons of the new hit sitcom Potter, streaming Netflix summer 2022. And we're back. That was a good time at Hogsmeade, man. <laughs> Man, guys, I gotta that. tell you that pumpkin beer was something else. What kind of bourbon was that? Nick's that feeling is, good. This is good, good like fire whiskey. And it's not just a luck potion. He's feeling it, folks. Well, as I mentioned, we were talking I'm about feeling felixies. <laughs> as we moved on from three on, we started to get new directors taking on these films, and many that have done some big things as well. Alfonso Cuaron did three, which a lot of people do find Prisoner of Azkaban to be their favorite. Uh, I myself do fit into that category, although it's like hard because it's like there's always moments of each film that I'm like, oh, I love that. Even though there might be parts of films I'm like, eh, not so much. But I mean, this guy has gone on to do some huge films and has won Academy Awards. And I always love to see like, Oh yeah, remember when he did that? And now he's kind of remember when he did Harry Potter? Um, you know, he did Children of Men, Gravity, Roma. Um, so that was cool to have like and it, it definitely from the moment three started, you were like, okay, we're still in the world of Harry Potter, but we've gone into a different, there's just a different color palette. There's a different, like even some of the like the Whomping Willows designed a little differently, uh, parts of Hogwarts are designed a little differently, Hagrid's Hut's a little different. They, they started to change things. And it didn't really throw me off to be like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not what happened in the first two movies. What happened? It was kind of like, all right, we're, we're still telling the story of this kid who one day is going to have to face off against this Dark Lord. But having different you know, artists come in and be like, I'm gonna, I want to show this. I want to show this element. And then we would get Mike Newell came in to do Goblet of Fire. And then David Yates was like, I'm coming in to do Order of the Phoenix and then just, I'm just going to stay. <laughs> He's like, I'll I just finish off the series and I'll do Fantastic Beasts too just because I like directing these Harry Potter movies. Um, but what do you got? What did you guys take of, as the films went along, there was, you know, slight changes and even like things like, like <laughs> they describe in the book distinctly that Harry's hair is like a certain style and you can't, you know, if you cut it, it immediately grows again overnight. It's like his hairstyle changed all the time. There was just some design differences when it came to costumes and sets, but it still was like, we're still telling the story, but we have to get a little darker because we're having, you know, our bad guys start to slowly but surely kill good guys and take over and, you know, to get to that ultimate fight at the end of book seven. What'd you guys take of like the changes in directing and 
all that for the franchise. I thought it was a little too soon to start, and it didn't make sense. I get lit in the later movies, you know, when they're not wearing their uniforms all the time, because obviously if they're going out in London, you know, it's going to be a little obvious. You got to be more of a contemporary look. But I thought the change of them not wearing, like, I knew what the, you know, going back and reading, they wanted to kind of reflect the characters' personalities, but I don't, I think it would have, it didn't make sense where they were wearing too many street clothes when they were still technically on school ground. So I thought that was just, it just kind of threw me off. It was like a little bit weird. It was, um, that was the only change for me. I mean, it, it's in the grand scheme of things, it's a mere gripe, but I thought like, why are we changing this? Like they're supposed to be wearing school uniforms all the time. Like how much room do you have in these trunks for modern clothes? I just want, you know, <laughs> well, you can ask Mary Poppins who was probably a Hufflepuff, but continue, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Nick. <laughs> So I think like, I mean, I remember when uh, Prisoner of Azkaban came out, Prisoner of Azkaban was like always my favorite book, just because like the whole time turner uh, kind of like loop there in the end, I was like, that is badass. That is awesome. I was really looking forward to that when they, because this was the one that they released in October as opposed to November. And so it was more of like a Halloween movie. And so I think like going for the darker tones in there was almost like just setting it up for the season that you're in. So like for me, it didn't ever really kind of take me out of it. By any means, like in some ways, this is the only this is the only Harry Potter story that doesn't deal with Voldemort at all. And so I think like your your villain in this one is supposed to be Sirius Black. And so the fact that all you ever hear is Sirius Black, Sirius Black and the repeat of his last name, just like automatically, even when I read the book, I thought of darker tones. It felt different than the other ones. And so to me, I feel like having this one be completely different from the others really was was it was an interesting choice and it never at any point in time that i ever think um guys this is not the way it looked in uh <laughs> chamber of secrets and i'm gonna just get my money back because i'm gonna boycott the rest of the series because i'm sorry i'm looking for the continuity here in the world i'm like <laughs> no just hakuna you're tatas and shut up <laughs> like the number of people who get all up in arms about adaptations being consistent with the move with the books and when i'm like does it change the book can you not go back and read the same thing in the book it's fine. You're going to be fine, Susan. You're yeah, going to be it fine. Was, it wasn't like they completely redesigned Hogwarts to like look like an entirely different, you know, all of a sudden it was like a giant gold castle. Yeah, it wasn't like it was all of a sudden a, a full new take. It was just heightening, I think, a little bit because it was yeah. going to start being darker tones. Because although, yes, they're still in school all the way up until book seven, really, they wanted to you know, allude to the fact that there are darker things outside of school and they are trying to come in and we're starting to get a little more serious Oh, about what's happening around oh, Harry Potter and his family that. and all that stuff. And I like that, you know, the first book and the first, you know, and you get a little more into this in Chamber of Secrets, but we're still very much in the dark really about who Voldemort really is in comparison to like, we don't, you know, we don't really... We know a little bit of him in the first book when we see with Quirrell on the back of his head. And then this little, all right, behind, you know, back in the day, what was Tom Riddle? All right, he used to be a student here. Oh my gosh, okay. But we're still like, we don't know where he is now. And oh, Sirius Black was like his number two. Or you know, Sirius, oh, maybe this is like, there obviously would be other people that, you know, were in, you know, the team of Voldemort. And, you know, where are they now? They could be anywhere. Is Snape still one of them? We don't know. We're starting to get the whole idea of, you know, the, the Death Eaters and stuff. So I think it was smart to be like, we have to go a little bit away from the kid-like wonder. But there's still moments, in, I mean, especially like you have the hippogriff and like the whole flying sequence is like beautiful. 
and they still always do the seasons really well in these Harry Potter movies. You know, they have fall and then like it's winter and it's like glorious and Christmas time. I think they they still had a lot of that in there, but I have to bring it up just because it makes me laugh every single time I see this movie. Daniel Radcliffe, he's come a long way, but his crying scene in this movie is god awful. Oh my gosh. You just saw, okay, he was a kid. He's cute. Okay. We're starting in that plateau. He hits that plateau just about to gobble the fire uh, when uh, Edward Cullen dies. Uh, what, what's, what's his name? Um, uh, what's Robert Pattinson? Why are you forgetting Robert Pattinson's name? What's his name? In the, what, what's his character? Oh, Cedric Diggory. Diggory. Cedric Diggory there. I was, I was like, wait, isn't it, isn't it Edward Pattinson? Like, that's, mm-hmm. No, that's, that's his Twilight mm-hmm. name. I feel like Our after Pats. four... Even though there's still a lot of humor, and Daniel Radcliffe does do humor really well, I think he starting does. five on, he started to be like, okay, now he's getting it. Now he's hitting those acting strides. Since you brought up bad crying, oh yeah, can we please, please talk about the One Tree Hill moment that Emma Watson has on the stairs at the, <laughs> the end stairs? of the Yule Ball in Goblet of Fire? I'm like, sweetheart, <laughs> this is not the WB. This is not. It's not the CW yet. You are literally in a Harry Potter movie and just like the you ruined everything Ronald <laughs> and, the music's and then playing she takes the her shoes off yep. she has to take her shoes off because shoes hurt yeah. she, even a witch gets hurt sometimes I don't want to wait for like, this school year to be over I was waiting for the Paula Cole to come in I'm like guys this has got to happen I'm going to do that now I'm going to put that on YouTube and uh, <laughs> just, <laughs> yes, just cue that music her heart's broken there's got to be some sort of scene just like that in Dawson's Creek. We, it's got to. Don't worry. Yeah. I, I, I own the entire series. On my <laughs> but like that, that does kind of, you know, allude to the fact that we were watching these kids grow up on screen. And yes, some of them started doing other projects when they weren't filming Potter. But, you know, we're kind of watching them grow up to be actors. And although I would say nowadays we've seen all of them in different things and be like, wow, they really have come a long way. They had to kind of go over that hump of, okay, you're going to have these really emotional scenes and you don't really have the tools yet to quite handle it. Well, that's, and I think it's a challenge when you're as an actor and these young actors and actresses, you got all these veteran actors. And I think that helped having these, you know, Alan Rickman and, uh, you know, all all these great uh, performers to kind of guide them because you got to think they're not, most of their focus has been on these projects and also our focus is on them. I don't want to wait. Rupert Grunt's gonna do this. I don't want to see him. That's Ron Weasley. I don't want to see him. You know, but I think that was the thing. They they didn't have other variety of projects to challenge, practice this or invoke this emotion. So the yeah, so that that is a challenge to okay. This is your kind of focus really, and you're you're you. They're literally were growing up in the characters as well. And the and the pressure, you yeah. know, oh. it, you know, as with anything, when you're having the, you know, it's just like with Star Wars, Lord of the Rings. I mean, Marvel these movies it's like everyone has their idea of how it's going to be and this is still before social media was as big as it is today and imagine if this came out around this time it might have been a different story yeah and it all the books you know as they got longer uh because a lot of the books especially you know through like goblet of fire i think is the longest one i believe they Mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff uh they were the phoenix okay they they realized they weren't going to be able to do all the stuff in the the book into the film so they had to start cutting things as well and you know with any fan there's going to be that one fan that's like man i really like the elves and what they do and you know and it's like we're not having dobby back until we need dobby back you know it's like stuff like that so did someone say dobby (laughs) 
Dobby's I'm not here, here, here no more. Master's um, present with the sock. When I came to, okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's go into like the magic here for a minute. You know, obviously, we do start to get a lot of these cool spells. You know, they're doing like the the dueling, and then we're seeing you know how potions work and these creature designs. But especially when it gets to Goblet of Fire, seeing like okay, there's other schools, and even like I love the Quidditch World Cup and like how huge it is. Oh my gosh, it's so cool. The Death Eaters coming in looking like spiky cone people um with their mask you know but like i feel like they they kept trying to be like i we have to keep going bigger and even like i love how this is not at all how i imagine it in the books but when death eaters apparate it's like this black smoke cloud that follows them everywhere and they really kept that going through like the last you know david gates really highlighted that a lot in the last several movies but they kept trying to have to be like we have to have the the big wow moment in a lot of these movies because people are expecting it, especially because you have to think there probably was a huge audience. So we go see these movies that did not read the books. Yeah. Or would wait till after the movies, but right, I'm going to go back now and read the books. I think all of us were in the camp of, we had discovered the books well before the movies and we would be watching them in lieu with, okay, when's the next movie coming out? Oh, the next book's out, you know, but, uh, yeah, what do you what do you think? What do you think of like how this this I think it was weird how like we were kind of getting all right, we're going into the next movie. Oh, now the next book's coming out. And then of course the decision to make this was such a 2010 of uh, thing that was going on because they did it with Twilight and like other movies, having the seventh book split into two films to try to show as much as they can. I'm I'm in the minority camp, I think, for some that I really, really like Deathly Hollows part one. I'm not the biggest fan of part two. There's stuff I definitely enjoy, but I think some of it's just not my cup of tea for some of it. I don't know. What do you guys stand on the last two films as a whole? Uh, I, I'm very much in that same camp of like, I love part one. I still love part two. My biggest problem is that I feel like for the finale of this series, the ultimate fight between Harry and Voldemort should be like this un- real thing that you're seeing yeah and to me the best fight of the entire series is at the end of order of the phoenix with Voldemort and, and dumbledore. dumbledore yep yeah mm-hmm. that fight in the ministry of magic is one of the coolest things ever and the fact that they weren't able to top that because like priori and Kat- in cantatum or whatever they call it too many vowels and consonants to to, to enunciate properly um it, it, it like it's a cool effect but I think it's one of those things where the idea of it is cooler than seeing it. And I think since that was like the big deal between the two of them, I don't feel like that final battle was epic enough. Like the battle for Hogwarts was awesome. They did really, really well with that. But then just the final thing and like the, the, the bit where Voldemort and Harry like fly together and then like their faces <laughs> mold together. It's like, what are you doing? Why are you messing with my, oh. Finish this together. I know. <laughs> <laughs> It was like they were doing something from the thing, you know. They're molding together. Yeah. I'm like, okay, this is, that was a little weird, yeah. And I always thought that's yeah when they when they both attack each other. I'm always like, why is it like a bunch of soap suds coming out of this spell? <laughs> like that's I always thought it was like champagne or something. I was like, Ernie from Sesame Street comes out. Robert they Duncan. do it one too many times that I yeah. do think it needed to have a little more of like this is we need that Anakin versus Obi Wan moment. We need this this epic last stand, and it just felt like all right, 
there's well, there's too much stuff going on. It wasn't just like it needed to be like just them two brawling out spell style, and you know that's that's what makes some of these really epic duels so great. Is that does it, it? It does matter the length of the brawl, but also what you're seeing because you got to just see them in their glory and just like that. I know what you're saying. It's it doesn't really translate as well what they did. Yeah, yeah. Even the way I visualized how Voldemort dies the way that the spell kind of ricochets off him wasn't quite the way they did it didn't quite really the way that in my head but i did like the way he disintegrated that that was pretty cool and like yeah you know it's like you know at the end of the day it's like he has to go it's how the story ends and we move on but it was one of those like i feel like they they definitely did well to get as much of the book as they can but there was still some stuff that i feel like the movie ended and i was like all right, I was kind of left like, all right, there were some cool moments, but it wasn't quite exactly how I wanted the, this end chapter of 10 years of films. You know, it's like 2001 and then 2011 was part two. Like think of 10 years of our life where we got these eight films. But I mean, still to think of that time period, that really was the big movie franchise. I mean, we started, you know, near the end of that, we'd start to get Marvel uh, obviously Lord of the Rings was at the beginning of that and then it would take some time to the Hobbit but like that was like Harry Potter's like bam this is our decade and then the fact that they started to be like all right now we're gonna have the theme park element start to kick in which is awesome the Wizarding World of Harry Potter we should talk about this for a little bit here yeah it's like okay Narnia and Middle Earth you don't got a theme park so what now you got to go to New Zealand. I'm waiting for, yeah, you have to go to New Zealand to, <laughs> to go uh, to uh, the Shire and Hobbiton. But the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, uh, a very smart choice that I guess originally was offered to Disney. They passed on it. Uh, then Universal was like, mine, uh, which was smart because I think Universal actually really needed something like this to kind of survive and to make Disney go, oh, crap, we need to now uh, that's the new the new the new game now I think is really these impressive lands that are all dedicated to one movie or set of films and are immersive that really once you're in it you don't see the outside world you just are living in this area and I'm sure it's going to continue to grow as uh, you know I know that right now we have this uh, third universal park that is being built in Florida epic universe and I believe. What? The, I, oh, yeah. I've not heard about this. Oh, so in Florida right now, there's Universal Studios and then there's Islands of Adventure, which are their two theme parks. Yeah. yeah. There's now a third one being built that's actually going to be like a 10 minute drive away. So it's still going to be part of the, the resorts. It's just in its own little area of land called Epic Universe. It's going to be a, a brand new theme park. So it'll be a third one for that resort. And from what I'm hearing is they're going to be designing a whole area for Harry Potter that is Fantastic Beast themed there um, to kind of continue with that franchise. But the fact that already that they have Hogsmeade and the way they designed the castle at the theme park is incredible. That ride is incredible. They have the Hagrid roller coaster. They have Diagon Alley at the other park. You can go on the Hogwarts Express. Yeah, and that's like an attraction itself, which I just, I had the privilege of doing that just this past this this year which was so epic to do both parks and really just take that in and i mean just like we're talking attention to detail even just the food and it's not just like oh like this is like okay this is not only 
cool looking. It's delicious. You know, I'm gonna have a turkey leg and, you know, and, and I mean, just even getting your, your, you know, all these theme parks have their own um, props you can get, you know, if you're in Disney world, you get your lightsaber or something, but to get the, get your own wand and have that whole, the, the choosing the, the wand, wand ceremony. ceremony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just so, so unreal. And that to actually, you go to the movies to experience what you read off the pages, but to actually immerse yourself, what you've seen in the movies, I don't think any theme park has done that. That's this is the really the, the best has ever done I've seen to immersing yourself in that kind of experience. Yeah, I think Disney definitely has done well with uh you know bringing Avatar to life, and I do really enjoy it, Galaxy's Edge. But the the way Universal has done Harry Potter just like was the the pioneer in being like you know Disney would always have these themed lands. We have Adventureland, Tomorrowland, just kind of a mixed hodgepodge of things. No. Now people want to see an IP and they really want to be like, and you see that people will go universal, even in Florida, in the heat and humidity in full black robes and represent <laughs> their, their school. And, you know, there's, it's insane to see how many people like dress up even in the heat. And now we have, you know, this, this two part Broadway play, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. It's one part now. What? Yeah. So I, don't, I think it would have something to do with the ticket sales and um, <clears throat> disclaimer here um, with American audiences being dumb and not realizing it's a two-part thing and you need to buy tickets to both parts. And so they would have plenty of people like buy a ticket to one or the other, not realizing it because they're not listening to the box office people or reading the things on the website when they're buying the tickets. And so they've condensed it. It's now going to be one part they're aiming for three and a half hours with one intermission. And I'm like, like I imagine the cloakography is gone because that's a solid 20 minutes of the show oh. is cloakography, if not more. But that's like, devastating to hear. Yeah. I'm like, are you going to end act one where part one ends? Because that's like, there's just. There's a lot. It's like, are they, are they taking out all of the, because like Harry has all these dreams and whatnot. Are they taking all of that out too? Are they taking out the flashbacks in general? Like, wow. as if so, Hagrid's gone. So Dang. there goes my chance at ever being Hagrid. <laughs> Unless <laughs> That's I go a bummer because it's, wasn't it two, two and a half hour plays pretty much yep. to make both yep. parts? Well, yeah, that's it was a little over five here. hours. Then what you do is you should go as Nick has to London to see the version over there. It's brilliant. But it was so a cool, cool, like, you know, people wanting more, obviously, Harry Potter. And because obviously the films did very well financially, uh, and this is being a huge franchise, we've had that continuation, but also we've had now the prequel series, Fantastic Beasts, which hasn't done as well. I respect it for what some of the storytelling is and to try to make a whole set of movies based off this one little book that uh, JK wrote. But we're getting more of the background of Dumbledore and Grindelwald. But the second film, it was just like, I, I, remember, I remember watching Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Uh, I was actually in Dubai at the when that, that movie came out and enjoying it. I was like, I like the New York vibe. I like the music. It's got this jazz element to it. Dan Fogler. How can yeah. you not like Dan Fogler? Oh, Dan oh, Fogler's yeah. great. It had a great humor. Oh, I, now we're bringing this muggle along. And, you know, this is more of a Fantastic Beast. So we're trying to find these different creatures. But underline that there is this, you know, dark lord of this time, pre-Voldemort, that is kind of, you know, scheming. But then the second movie, I just felt like it was kind of slow. It didn't really have as much action. And then we started getting this whole weird wonky thing of, 
who is this uh, guy play, played by Ezra Miller? Uh, he's a Dumbledore. What? Like, just and confusing because you're like, okay, the book spelled out right for us. Dumbledore, his brother, his sister. There was never some random fourth member we didn't know cousin about. Cousin twice removed and <laughs> yeah. doesn't show up until, you know, fourth oh, it's of cousin, July. It's cousin Billy Bob Dumbledore <laughs> from Kentucky. <laughs> oh, Albus, remember me? Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see where they're going to go with this third film that these these fantastic beast films are were originally planned to be five films and it's gonna be very different now because of course with all the situation that it's been whether you believe it or not i don't believe it i think it's unfair but with the removal of johnny depp from the film we are getting mads mickelson who we all love he's an incredible actor great villain actor but i don't know how where these films are gonna really go um i don't think they do either i don't yeah uh, but it's interesting, those ones are, the screenplays are by J.K. herself. Uh, so it's, you know, at least it's still under her pen of like kind of, you know, where the story going to go. But now I've been hearing rumors that David Yates does want to do film versions of Cursed Child with the original cast, if possible. Don't know if that's going to happen. I feel like a lot of times when a Broadway play or musical gets a movie adaptation, if it's too early, it takes away from ticket sales for that Broadway event, which is why we're just now getting casting notice for Wicked. Wicked's been out for a long time, you know. Nick's not a fan, okay. Uh, <laughs> of the casting that is, I think he likes the musical. Belinda's fine. supposed to be a soprano, not a whistle toner. It's a, there's a difference. He said it here, folks. You hear on the potential I did. podcast. I did. Right to whoever's making the movie complain. Um, I think, is it Warner Brothers? Uh-huh. It might be. Um, uh-huh. But, you know, I'm, I'm just curious to see, like, where they're going to go, but is are we going to get more Harry Potter in the future? And, you know, nowadays, too, Taylor and I have talked about this a lot with all these different franchises of ways to continue. And Disney's doing this right right now. This is the only one I know so far as, and I'd say Disney and probably Marvel slash DC as well. If Warner Brothers, you know, there's HBO Max a lot, you know, or, you know, they want to make their own streaming site, but. I think it is the time now to start getting these original series based off the Harry Potter Wizarding World. You know, we want to see a show if, if Dan Radcliffe would do it as an or going off and fending off against dark evil things. We want to see yeah. maybe a potion thing, see a young Snape show. I mean, the you know, a lot I of people talked selling, about. I keep saying, yeah, you t- Adam you go, go for it. Yeah, Adam Driver. I keep seeing this as post a young on Facebook. Snape, like, this I is what I want. Great. I'm like, no-brainer you know what i mean like i feel like people definitely are still hungry for stuff in the wizarding world and i think apart from these movies that sometimes take a while to get and fantastic beast pandemic aside we've had the long gaps in some of the movies i think it'd be cool to have some you know they could tell so many stories with streaming shows and start building uh more stuff there no matter which uh site it be on I think people would buy into it if they started making that. But at this point in time, nothing has been brought up of that. But would you guys be interested in streaming shows if they had, you know, original content for the Wizarding World? Absolutely. No problem. God, yes. Oh, you yes. Know? Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. Come on, Potter people. We want it. <laughs> um, so I will say uh, Fantastic Beast 3 is due next spring. Okay. Yeah, They're yeah. expecting it in, in April, but there's no been official announcement yet. So I don't know exactly what's happening with that. I did look up Epic Universe and I'm going to just sit here and look at these pictures for a little while because it's real pretty. It does look cool. It does look cool. Um, 
Yeah, unfortunately, over here in Hollywood, because it's a smaller park, uh, they have the Hogwarts area so far, but I don't know if they're going to have any room to expand much over here. But uh, Florida definitely being the place with the most land available, they're being smart too. You know, Disney has four parks over there, so they're like, we got to make more. People want more. And Universal being Disney's main competition. There's still a lot of stuff that even, even if Fantastic Beasts aside, there's still a lot of Harry Potter stuff that they could make into rides. Uh, you know, they could have a whole flying car ride. Uh, you know, they could have, there's so many things they could do. They At some point, it'd be cool if they could develop. I mean, they kind of did this with the castle ride, but I think it'd be cool if they developed some kind of like Quidditch ride where you're actually yep. like playing Quidditch on a broom. Um, you know, maybe similar to how they're doing Smuggler's Run where each you get a position. It's like you are, you're the, the seeker, you're the, you know, all that stuff. And you, you know, that'd be, I mean, there's so many things they could do. So between, because like then if, if you've done um, down at, at um, Animal Kingdom, the flight of the Navi in oh, yeah. um, Avatar. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So like it could be that sort of, that sort of ride where you're like that and it's all, it could be just in a dome like that, which is basically how they do um, escape from, not escape from Gringotts, but the, uh, uh, the Hogwarts journey. Forbidden journey. journey. Yeah. Yeah. Forbidden journey. There we go. I knew there was a term for it, uh, <laughs> but it could be just like that to do the Quidditch thing. And it's totally fine. Like it could be, it could even be all virtual VR and like you have a headset and you're like going around doing your thing. Like there's totally a way to do that just a matter of like finding the right space for because i know like on the property there they'd probably want to do the quidditch thing there at universal or islands of adventure but like with what they got doing going at epic universe like i'm very excited to see what could be possible there because it looks like they have a good amount of land too yeah it looks like they're they're really building a big area so i guess i want to i want to finish off here with uh just thinking of the films themselves the original eight films what do you think? It, what is it? Is it nostalgia? Is it just comfort? Um, you know, a lot of people nowadays, especially our age, who kind of grew up with these films, find themselves rewatching them over and over again, having these mini marathons from time to time, especially closer to Halloween or Christmas. There's just a time where people are like, all right, Guilty as I'm, I'm getting into the Harry Potter and I'm watching all eight in the next two, three days. What do you think is it of the films that really have uh, lasted to, you know, now we're 10 years plus later since the last one came out of Harry Potter. What do you think is a long lasting effect? And do you think, do you think ever down the line, you know, say 40 years from now, do you think we're ever going to get remakes of like a whole new take on, or do you think it is done and done? Okay. As someone for who a number of years has thrown a Harry Potter party every year around Harry's birthday, we do like for a number of years here at, what it was formerly known as Hogwarts in Harlem. We are now home Ohioans in, Har- in Harlem because uh, we're four gay guys from Ohio in one place. We've moved on. Uh, <laughs> and now a lot of the Hogwarts stuff is taken down too, unfortunately. Oh. We've repainted and it's, we're, yeah, it's a very sad day. Um, but we did a two-day festival in Hogwarts in Harlem where we watched all eight movies and we tried to get through the first five in the first day because we didn't want to end on Goblet of Fire because no one wants to end on Goblet of Fire um, and then we'd wake up a little later the next day and there was always a big spread of food like my roommate my former roommate Zach would make try and do like a full English breakfast although he never really got around to doing everything it would basically it was just like 
eggs, bacon, sausage. We'd have English muffins as well. And then we'd make a bunch of different chocolate frogs. I'd make cauldron cakes and uh, we'd have butter beer and pumpkin juice, all this kind of stuff. And of course, that's when all the decorations originated was when we tried to turn the apartment in like the kitchen was honey dukes. Um, we had um, a moaning myrtle like in the bathroom when you like lift up the toilet lid like she was right there. So that was really fun having Myrtle watch pee. And then we'd like use one of our old phones that had like um, a track of her like talking that was just hidden in the bathroom. It was so, it was really interesting. Um, but I think for, for us, the, the way you can immerse yourself in a different world, I think a lot of times things like this are escapism to kind of get away from what's, what's going on in the real world. I know for me, like Chris, we actually talked about this when we were on tour. Um, I'd started like making notes about how Harry Potter helped me through grief because like the, the seven books do kind of deal with the seven stages of grief in a lot of ways. Cause he's, he's come to terms with a lot of things that have happened to him before he even found out he's a wizard. And then he meets all these people. He learns more about his parents. He learns more about their past and the past of the wizarding world. And it's a way for him to come to terms with who he is, the cards he's been dealt and how to move on from there. And I think a lot of it for, for our generation as uh, people that have been through a, a substantial amount of changes in society and a lot of like come to Jesus moments within society and realizations that people that you grew up with or people that are your family are not the good people that you thought they were, you know, growing up, like your eyes have been opened and all of a sudden you, you, you're trying to learn how to deal with all that. And I think watching Harry experience that with the help of his friends, everyone identifies with someone within the wizarding world. And I think that's helped a lot. It's almost like therapeutic. And when you get to bring people together to celebrate the world, and all the things that you love about it, and you get to have conversations much like this, it makes, it makes the rest of the BS that you go through in life seem a little more manageable. And I know for me, like some of my very best friends have been in this apartment uh, and we've had conversations about Harry Potter and how it applies to our lives. And as dorky as that sounds like that's, that's kind of what a lot of our relationship has been based around. That's beautiful. I love that. Well said, absolutely. Thanks, guys. That's what we do on this podcast. <laughs> Just talk about movies and stuff that we love so much. I have a lot of feelings. When you do a Mean Girls podcast, I have to be on that. We will, we will do Mean Girls at some point. Don't yeah. worry. We have to, you know, we even said we did Vampires recently. We will do a Twilight episode at some point just because you don't have to. we have to. Well, maybe not, but we'll see. Yeah, um to. You, you, you vote people who you want to see first. But, um, well, Nick, we thank you so much for coming on today because I know you're a big Potter fan. You'll be lovely to have a chat with. But a little Potterhead, you. We can't let you go yet. We have to ask you our guest questions. So these are 10 questions for you, rapid fire. They're not, it's not a trivia quiz. It's just, you know, stuff that you love. So I'll start us off. What, and this is not to pertain to Potter. This is just, you know, full, full everything. What is your favorite movie? Goodwill Hunting. Number two, what's your favorite TV series? <gasps> Friends. Number three, what is your favorite video game or video game series? Uh, Mario Kart. Number four, what is your favorite style of music or favorite artist? Oh, Broadway, period. <laughs> Love it. Uh, number five, what is the favorite place you've traveled to? London. Number six, what inspires you or what has inspired you to where you are today? Teachers. Love it. 
Number seven, what is the best piece of advice you've received? Hard work will take you farther than talent. Love that. Number eight, what is your nerd level on a scale of one to 10? One being, <laughs> one being you've picked up a book and number 10, um, you've read Harry Potter uh, more than uh, twice. Um, I think I'm at a 15 then. <laughs> I think uh, Nick probably uh, similar to us would be going off the charts a little bit. And that's not just from Harry Potter. That's from yeah, in, uh, multiple, multiple things. Um, yeah. Number nine, what is the guilty pleasure of yours? Sex in the city. Mm, there you go. Love it. Yeah. And last but not least, because uh, you already kind of shown your talents of mimicry, uh, give us your best impression. Okay, so it's not Harry Potter, but um, <clears throat> let's see if I can get this right. You virginia doubt by your dear. Oh, hello, Poppet. Oh, that's all right, dear. Oh, it's a good cup of tea. It was the drink that took his life. No, he was hit by a Guinness truck. Rob McClure, I'm coming for your damn roll, sir. Yes, he is. <laughs> Very nice. Thank you. Oh, that was fine. Bloody-tastic, Nick. Great, we're going to have a doubt fire oh, off Thank now. you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, you wicked, wicked man. You furry little <laughs> face freak, you. <laughs> yes. I do love that. I like. I think I think at some point in time, I've actually used that entire thing where uh, he says, uh, I'm sorry, you do voices. Ma'am, I do voices. Yes, we got this fun look of adults like, who's going to say, I'm happy to be in America. No use for a green card. Nancy and I are still trying to find the other half of my head. Look at this, look at this, I'm sitting on a gold mine. That whole thing, I did that in an audition. They're like, sack of sweetheart. Figaro. Exactly, exactly. And I do I, I do love that opening with, you know, he's singing uh, Barbara Seville. Like, that's some good shit right there. Well, Nick, where can people follow you on social media? Uh, on Instagram, I'm at Nick Olas, N-I-C-K-O-L-A-S. One, two, two, five, as in 1225, December 25th, Christmas Day, my birthday, which is why my name is Nick. And I'm a gift to all. <laughs> uh, I think I'm all, I'm all, that's also what I am on Twitter, but I do nothing on Twitter. Uh, I'm just Nick Pearson on Facebook. Uh, well, thank you so much, Nick, for being on the podcast today, yeah. talking Harry Potter. Uh, we'll pleasure. have to have Thanks you around. Me, we'll have to have you back uh, when we do a review of the new fantastic beast movie we can chat Ooh. then but um oh yeah thank you so much for coming on we, we absolutely love chatting with you it was all, definitely a pleasure not a chore it's been magical well folks we thank you so much for listening today to the potential podcast and as always you can check out the harry potter movies i believe they're all on hbo max or on peacock they're on several streaming sites now or you can go buy the dvds if you still buy dvds but until next time this was the potential podcast Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.